Well, we're still talking about that it's time. Now, as my wife has already instructed me, I've only got a few more weeks of this, and then I have to have a title of a sermon that says it's time for a new sermon title. So this morning, I need to give you a little visual demonstration. We're going to be talking about setting an example. Um, the scriptures in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. But I, I, I think sometimes when it comes to example, we think of the really obvious stuff, the big stuff, instead of the daily stuff. And the scripture that we're looking at is telling Timothy, who is a, a young pastor in his first role, I believe, to do certain things. And one of those, he said, is set an example. And that we are all to do that. And it's a, a verse in this passage that we'll take a look at later that says, don't despise or let others despise you for your youth, but still set an example just like the kids did for us. Setting an example. And, you know, those we follow for examples are people that we watch, and we look for clues with those people. We want to know something about them. And I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I'm a coffee drinker, and so is Jody, and we also like mugs. Um... We have a cupboard that has three shelves on it that we have to stack the mugs in because they won't all fit just on the shelves in there. And we have a mug tree and we, we'd like mugs. And because of that, people have given us mugs at times. And I was looking at those the other day and going, man, these really represent something. I mean, every mug that I've been given says something either about me or the person who gave it to me, what they think of me. Yeah, it's a little scary. This first one is one of my favorites. I just realized I'm going to say that about all of them. Um, but it says, Yoda, best grandpa. I thought that'd get an awe. Guess who, I, guess who gave it to me? Grandkids. Yeah, they're pretty smart. I love that. And whenever I use that or even see it in the cupboard, I think of them and pray for them and smile. This one says, Father. It was given to me by one of my daughters. Um, all that you are has been a major force in my life. And some other mushy stuff. But whenever I think of it, I think of the one who gave it to me. And remember my role as a dad, even though my kids are grown and have their own kids. I'm still setting an example. And then I got a couple here that um, you maybe can guess who gave me this one. Best husband ever. Jody needs to ask forgiveness for lying, but I appreciate the thought. And whenever I use it, I think of her and am reminded of my responsibility as a husband. 
I also got one that says, good morning, handsome. I gave it to myself. <laughs> Just kidding. My wife did, and she's due for an eye appointment soon. So whenever I see that, I remind her to go to the eye doctor. See if I remember how I laid these out. I can't remember which one's next. Go ahead and throw the next one up. Um, joy in the morning. This was one that, if I remember right, we actually bought to give to someone else, and we gave it to them, and then two other people gave the exact same mug back to us. I don't think it was the exact same mug, but, uh, you know, I don't think they regifted it. But, you know, it's a reminder that some mornings don't feel like that, do they? Some mornings don't really feel like anything of joy. And whenever I use that cup, and I'll be honest, I don't use it as often as some of the others because there are certain mornings I really don't want to be reminded I'm supposed to be joyful because <laughs> I'm not feeling that way uh, on that day. Let's hit the next one. In fact, I often feel this way. You've heard the phrase, seize the day. I saw this one and bought it. I intended to give it to one of my daughters and went, nope, I'm keeping it. Because it says, I'm pretty sure I seized the wrong day. You ever have one of those days where the day just doesn't go as expected? It isn't starting the way you expected. You hit the coffee maker and you forgot to put the pot or the cup under it and have to spend the next five minutes cleaning that up and then doing another cup. And this is for those days. That, you know, there are times I'm just pretty sure that I seized the wrong day. Hit the next one. And then one of you gave me this, this month for pastor appreciation. It says, faithful servant. This one I actually keep in my office. Because I'm reminded then that every time I show up and every day, I have a responsibility to serve my master and you. I need those reminders on some days. I don't know about you. Let's hit the next one. One of my children who shall be unnamed gave this to me. And they said, Dad, you're going to love this. I thought it was hilarious. And I opened it up and went, I don't love that. <laughs> That's what you think of me? And then I looked at it again and went, I'm trying to figure out which of this she is emphasizing, the weird or the old. And I decided that I've been weird longer than I've been what some might call old. But there are some days when this just fits. There are some of those days when it's the only thing that appropriately says anything about me. And see, these all have a story either about me or who gave it to me. But there's another one that's actually maybe the most popular mug at our house. Now, you got to guess. What does it say? Does it say hope? Or does it say nope? 
There are two people in our house and there are two opinions on what it says. One of them thinks it says hope. She's wrong. It says nope. When our family gathers for family gatherings, this is the most popular mug and the first one they're fighting over to grab. In fact, so popular that one of our daughters went and got one for herself. And uh, she leads a, a group of college students, small group in her home. And when the girls come in, the one they just, whoever gets there first always grabs this mug. But you know, when you look at it, because there's a question, you're not sure, what is it? Just like, unfortunately, if I'm not setting the right example, you might be confused on who I am. Because some days, I'm just weird and old. Some days, hopefully I'm being faithful in my service, having joy. I don't think I'm ever handsome, but we work on it. Dad, grandpa, husband. And some days it just feels like I shouldn't have got up. But let me ask you, what do your mugs say about you? I, I don't mean your literal mugs. I mean this one and how you're living. What does you and how you live say about who you are and what kind of an example you're setting for others? Is it confusing? Uninviting? Or is it what it should be? Or what you claim it to be? If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me in the New Testament, that's toward the back of the book. First Timothy. If you're not sure, it's right in front of Second Timothy. First Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. And it says, If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus being trained in the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For the whole bodily training is of some value. Godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive. Because we have our hope set on the living God. Who is the savior of all people. Especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech. In conduct. In love in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders had their, laid their hands on you. Practice these things. 
Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. But set an example. Set an example. It's an admonition. It is an instruction. In fact, verse 11, when it says command and teach these things, it's really given almost as an order from the military. Do this. Set an example. For you see, whether we want to believe it or not, every one of us is an example to someone or several someones. Children are wonderful imitators. They watch and they do. Unless you teach it out of them. But what you do in front of them speaks louder to them than what you say to them. Sometimes we're saying, aren't you listening to me? And I think what they would love to say back is, yes, I'm watching. That's how I'm listening. I'm watching what you do. And hearing what you say. We have a responsibility. All of us, young and old, children included, to set an example. And it's time. If our world ever needed a group to come together and be an example of someone who loves, someone who cares, someone who follows Christ, it's now. One of my cousins posted this meme this week. He said, somewhere there's some poor pitiful phoneless soul sitting beside a waterfalls, enjoying where he is or she is without realizing they're supposed to be scared and angry at what's going on. What's our example for others? What do they see? What do they hear? And what do they hear by what we do? An example is what people see. An example is what people hear. An example is what people feel you live around them and in front of them. The literal meaning of the Greek word that we translate example is the word pattern. Set a pattern for others. In fact, some of it, if you go clear back and study to the roots of the word, it talks about and gives the picture and impression of a mold that has been struck to form into the place and the piece that they want to recreate and reproduce. So, are you living in such a way that you want who you are to be reproduced in others? What you say and what you do? Your attitude and your motivation? Set an example. So let's take a look briefly. 
What does it mean to set an example? How do we do that? First of all, you need to check your foundation. To be the example you need to be, you've got to check your foundation. It says in verse 6, being trained. That's the foundation. The foundation that we need to set our life on, it needs to be on God's Word in our relationship with Christ. That needs to be our foundation. It's an old hymn, On Christ the solid rock I stand, all others are sinking sand. There needs to be a foundation in our life of something that is unchanging because our world changes. From moment to moment, we thought last night when we went to bed, trunk or treat would be able to be outside. And then about an hour ago, the forecast changed dramatically. See, when we put our foundation on the stuff that can change, we're going to constantly change. We're going to be wishy-washy. We're going we're to fluctuate between things. People are never going to know what to count on for us. And as a result, they won't count on us. We need to make sure our foundation is sure that it's on God's word. You see, the flip side of this cup that says faithful servant is 2 Chronicles 15, 7. Be strong and do not give up for your work will be rewarded. Our foundation needs to be on his word. And you need to make sure that your foundation on God's word and your relationship with Christ, that it is not irreverent, the scripture says, or irrelevant. Irreverent going against God. We sometimes say yes and raise our hand and then how we live contradicts that. That's being irreverent. Irrelevant should never be an accusation of the church or someone following Christ because God's word is never irrelevant and following Christ is never irrelevant and let me give you this hint that more of us need to pay attention to following Christ is also never boring if you're bored with following Christ you're doing it wrong It should be amazing because that's who he is. To follow him is an amazing, exciting time. We don't have to store anything in reserve. We can expend all of our energy and our love and our dreams and our hopes in following Christ because that's how he's laid it out and then he has already prepared an eternity for us with him. We don't have to save up our energy We'll have all of eternity for that. And by then, we'll be so excited with where we are in his presence, we will never be tired again. We need to make sure our foundation is on him and his word. Secondly, you need to check your motivation. Verses 10 through 13 said, For this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Check your motivation. Every time I see this cup, I'm reminded of one of my motivations. My grandkids. 
See, you need to know your why. Why are you doing what you're doing? Oh, there are some things we need to do that are rather mundane to be able to pay the bills to be able to do our real why. But we need to know our why. Check your motivation. You see, if we're following Christ, we have hope. If you look at it right. And we have hope because we have a living Savior. As we sang and the kids led us, who always makes a way. He is the way maker. Always. Through anything and everything. And what I love is that he is available and he is available as the scripture says to all. He's available to all, no matter your age or your past. See, kids and teens sometimes get the impression or sometimes they're out, just outright told and it's wrong. You're too young. You grow up, you'll understand. They can understand very well right now. I've shared with some of you before after I became a pastor, my mom told me she wished she had a different testimony. My mom accepted Christ at the age of five and never turned back. She says, my testimony is so boring. I wish I had a more exciting testimony. I said, oh, mom, I'd love to have more of your testimony in my church. And I said, mom, many of those people who have the exciting testimony would give anything to have yours instead of theirs. Don't let somebody look down on you because you're not old enough, haven't been doing this long enough, or because you're too old. It doesn't matter. You can be weird and old and still serve Christ in wonderfully weird ways. After all, normal is boring. But also your past your past does not disqualify you if you accept Christ. Your past might explain how you got to where you are. But it does not need to define who you are and where you're going. Let me repeat that. Your past may define or explain how you got to where you are right now. But it does not need to define who you are or where you're going. Because we have a living Savior. And that's our hope in Him because of His forgiveness. Because of what He did on the cross. And the fact that His tomb is empty. That's who He is. We have hope no matter our past. We also need to check our actions. It's interesting to me in reading this. That when you take a look. He says, as you're checking your actions, make sure you're being the right example. And he says in verse 15, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. Check your progress. What things is he talking about? He's talking about the fact that he gave five things that you should devote yourself to, not devote yourself to, but be an example in, in verse 13. 
excuse me, verse 12. Be an example in speech, what you say. Be an example in conduct, how you behave. Be an example in love, how you love others. Be an example in faith and faithfulness. Be an example in purity. Living a life that you've been called to by Christ. See, that's not age specific. That's not background specific. Let me ask you, of those five, speech, behavior, love, faith, purity, which of those five do you need to make a change in? Maybe you're going, well, more than one. Okay, but what's one you can start with? To be an example for those around you and for others. For see, the real question is with those five, the speech, the behavior, the love, the faith, the purity, should others follow your example in those five areas? Or would you instruct them, follow me in these two, but not the other three? I'm good on four, just don't watch number five. We are an example. People are watching us and making judgments. Not in a negative way, but in a way to find out, is this someone I can trust to follow? Are they an example that I can follow? And then lastly, to be an example, you need to check on those around you. How are those around you doing? Verse 15 and 16, practice these things, immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Check on those around you. We need to be aware of who's around us and how our example is impacting them. We're all an example. Even the littlest and the oldest. What's your example saying for others? Do you want them to follow your example? See, if the answer is no, well then let's do something about it. For you see, if we check on those around us, if we're being that example, if we immerse ourselves in what he's called us to do, if we watch our speech, our behavior, our love, our faith, and our purity, then we will be able to help save ourselves and others. Only Christ saves, but we put ourselves in a position to accept his salvation. No matter your past and no matter your age, no matter what you've known up until now. See, some people think, I got to be a Bible scholar before. No. I love doing Bible studies with people who are new to it all. I had two young guys, Brooks and Nathan, 
uh, one church. They had they started coming to church. They were just out of high school and working and church was a new thing to them and Christ was new to them and they said, you know, we could you just teach us? So I did a, a study just with those two, discipled them. They'd made a decision for Christ, but they had no background. And the first time I sat down with them and said, well, open, open your Bible and let's look. And they were going, I don't know where that is. I said, well, there's this thing in the front of the book. It's called a, an index. It says where the books are and what page. I said, use that. And they go, I feel so bad doing that. I said, do you open your Bible in church on Sunday? And they go, no. I said, why not? They said, I don't want somebody to see that I can't find it or that it takes me five minutes to find it. I said, here's your first assignment. First time I met with them. Their first discipleship assignment was, the next Sunday, don't open your Bible, but when I say to open and I'm going to read, look at everybody around you and see how many of them either can't find it, can't find it quickly, or use the index. We met the next week and they walked in and said, that was awesome. I said, what'd you see? They said, almost everybody had trouble. When they went to that index, I said, so what are you going to do now? They go, oh, I start doing it Sunday. See, your background isn't the issue. It's what are you going to do now? It's a question the Lord's hammering me on for the last two months. And that is that anytime I'm processing anything, I hear him ask this question. Now what? Okay. You heard me. You read it. You're feeling it. Now what? So you've heard, we need to be an example. Our example is better when it's clear. Our example is better when it's positive instead of negative. And our example is better when it's not confusing. How's your example? How are others doing with your example? Can they follow it? Is it going to take them to Christ? Is it going to take them to where they ought to go and where you want them to go? Do you even want others to follow your example? See, if the answer is no, my question is, now what? What are you going to do now? It's good to be honest and say, yeah, I don't want them to follow my example, but so what are you going to do? Because they are following, they are watching. Set an example. Don't let anybody despise you because you're young. Don't let anybody despise you because of your past. Don't let anybody despise you because you're old. Don't let anybody despise you because you don't know enough of this. But instead, immerse yourself in these things, verse 15. Instead, practice these things in speech and behavior and love, faith and purity. What's your mug saying about you? Is it clear or confusing? If it's clear, keep it up and bring some more with you. If it's confusing, now what? Father, thank you 
for loving us the way you do. Thank you for your example. Thank you for what we saw this morning with the kids having the courage to get up here in front of us and go through their songs. Oh, Lord, may we be the examples they need us to be. And may we follow their examples of courage and joy and hope. Lord, help us to check those areas, to check our speech and our behavior and our love and our faith and our purity. And if any of those are not where they should be, help us to make some changes starting today. Lord, I pray that as we go today and as we regather for the trunk or treat, that we would be the examples we need to be for all the people that are going to come through. That they would see joy. That they would sense something in us that's different than in the rest of the world. And Lord, if there's a parent here who says, wow, I've got to change my example. If there's a husband here who says, I've got to change my example. If there's a wife here who says, I've got to change my example. If there's a grandparent here who says, I've got to change my example. Give them the courage to do that starting right now. And Father, continue to help me be the example I need to be. Oh, Lord, may we be the example you have called us and created us to be. Perfect, we're never going to get there. Sometimes we're going to be weird. Sometimes we're going to be a little confusing. But Lord, help us to keep striving to be faithful servants who become more and more like you. As we go, may we go checking our example and changing what needs to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen.